Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker. In the last two episodes, I've been talking to Andrea Freyrier from Agile Sherpas about her professional journey, her company, and Agile marketing. Let's take the conversation forward. In this episode, we'll take a closer look at what's going on behind the scenes of Agile Sherpas. So what are the things, so let's talk about this. So like over the years of like, obviously you've been building up efficiencies and doing that kind of stuff. So what are your, what do you think your strengths and your weaknesses are as maybe as a marketer, but I I guess also as an agency, like what have you guys had to improve upon? Not to talk about the the bad things, but I was going to talk about the good stuff, obviously, and there's a lot of good things there, but like, what have you guys had to, what have you guys had to change, I guess, from, from an agile perspective and your guys' agency, because obviously you're teaching other people how to do it. And there's always, you know, usually what happens is you go and teach everybody else. Like for me, I teach everybody else how to do stuff. Like I just started optimizing my blog like a year ago. I've done it for everybody right. else and they all got great results and everything was awesome. And I was looking at mine. I'm like, I'm getting like a hundred people a day. Like this is ridiculous. Like I should, and now we're, you know, now we're, we're going getting two, 3000 people a day, but you know, like tell, tell me a little bit about that process. Like what did it take for you guys to go and take a look at your process and say, Hey, we have to make some improvements here as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm like personally really good at the, the execution side of things. Like give me my backlog and I'll go through and, and like churn through things. And I'm really good at that. Um, but we're a remote group as well. And so finding opportunities for effective collaboration is probably our biggest challenge because um, I'm a firm believer in the face-to-face. Like even if it's just like what we're doing right now, like being able to see you and, and get your body language clues is so important. Yeah. Um, and so that's been something we've had to really commit to, to like, we're not just going to get on the phone, we're going to get on video and we're going to actually like communicate with one another and collaborate. Um, Cause it's easy when you're not in the same time zone to let that sort of stuff just slide and be like, yeah, we'll catch up later. Yeah. And so what do you, and so I'm, I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit. So you guys have a full remote team. What do you guys, cause obviously I have a full remote team too, right? It's taken a, a long time to get it to a point where it's, but now I feel like it's very efficient. Uh, well, very efficient until I talk to somebody like you and then you're gonna look at it and go, <laughs> you're like 30% buddy. And I'm like, okay, I thought I was maybe closer to 70, but that's okay. Um, with the remote side of things, like what do you, what softwares do you guys use and stuff like that? People have remote teams or stuff or are looking to develop a remote team. Yeah, I, I'm a big Trello fan. And so we have a, a shared Trello board and, and that's like the source of truth for everything. So yeah. we tag each other in there like, hey, I need your feedback on this thing. Um, documents are attached there. Um, and then I'll geek geek out on Agile and for just a second. But we have epics, which are like the big, you know, this is a quarter long project. And then we break it down into the tasks and, and things that go with it. And they're all color coded. So it's like I can see if I'm overspending time on this one prior on this one project and neglecting the other. Um, so I, my Trello board is kind of intense, but uh, it's really effective for us. That's awesome. So we use Trello as well. We do a little bit of Slack, obviously, um, and then Google Drive doc for stuff and then Dropbox, obviously, for, for files. Yeah, we like Trello. I mean, it's it's funny because we've used a lot of different things, Basecamp and Trillo and Asana. And I think it's so I haven't really I haven't really felt that there's anything that really like is just not perfect. I mean, because everybody has kind of a different systems, but it's always like I feel like, oh, this one's good here. This one's good there. Another one that we actually just started trying is called Griffin. Um, it's a friend of mine, Marcella, that um, that actually put the software together. She's been working on it for about three years. Um, I did a, a, 
uh, a thing here with SEM Rush, do an actually live workshop here. And she was one of the speakers um, and came and she's like, oh, I've got this software. And I was like, oh, let me, you know, check it out. And so I looked at it. I was like, wow, it's really, so it's just, they talk about the processes. Like, you know, once again, it's like, hey, you have this to do. Somebody orders some content from you. Like, here goes the 15 things that need to, do, to be done. And then it's done. Like, they have like Process Street. And there's some other ones like that, right? That you can go and, hey, this happens. And then this email gets sent out and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm trying that right now. And we're just kind of putting the processes in place to kind of streamline some of those um, and, you know, to better you know, make more transparency for the client and for us as well internally, because there's, you know, there's just a lot of moving pieces when it comes to the stuff that we do. Um, and uh, anyways, it's always, it's always interesting. The process side of things, like I said, can always be improved. Yeah. Yeah. We use co-schedule a lot too, I should say for uh, social and, and scheduling and um, blog posts and all that good stuff. So I've been finding that to be really helpful this year too. Like as kind of a one woman show, sometimes it's, it's nice to, to look like I have more people working on my social media than I really do. That's, that's the beauty of it all. Yeah. We, um, I've used co-schedule. In fact, I just was on the podcast with Eric and those guys over there at co-schedule. Awesome. Awesome team over there. Um, We do a few different things. We use another thing just for you and maybe people out there is that we use a company called Q, Q, U, U. Oh, like, like, yeah. like in the Q, yeah. Yeah, and then Q Promote is another one that we do. So, you know, um, and what they do is it's just, they do two different sides of the thing. They One is like where you go and you can put, you know, some content that you want to get promoted and you pay monthly for that and your content for distribution side. And then the other side of it is like, hey, you're a marketer this is the type of content you want out there and they hand read everything and they curate the content for your, for your audience. Um, which is interesting because once again, we're always looking for time savers, right? Like, I mean, I could spend all day long reading articles and doing this and sharing them. And now I haven't done the, the 5,000 other things that I was supposed to do. Um, so yeah, so I think that's, that's a co-schedule we've used and we've also um, liked them as well. They're obviously a great company. Yeah. Well, cool. I'll have to look into Q. That's an interesting one. Yeah. It's Q U U U. So there's Q and then there's Q promote. Oh. So there's two sides of the company. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what Q dot Q U E is. So I just want to make sure you don't go there. And it's, it sounds like it's pretty safe if you're <laughs> there. But um, well, cool. So let me see. Let like so what like to give us some like, talk to us a little bit about some of the brands that you guys have worked with. I mean, it could be big or small, and some of the you know some of the the results you guys have seen there. Because I'd kind of be interested. I know everybody's results are different, right? It depends on the organization. Depends on how the process is. The people that are hired there how well they adapt the processes and all that kind of stuff. But kind of give me some rundown of maybe some case studies or some stuff that you guys have done. Yeah. So one of my favorites is actually um, a little agency um, out in California, out where you are. Um, but they started with just about five people um, on their first team. And we were really helping them, kind of coaching them through the process. And they and they were remote most for the most part. And so they had like all the typical kind of marketing challenges. Um, plus they have clients and internal work and all that good stuff. Um, but they did a really good job of, of committing. Like they had um, somebody who was running the team, like an actual scrum master running the team and running the process. And that was hugely important for them. And they were able to basically double their team size in a year. So they brought on a whole nother scrum team of like five to seven people because they were seeing such good efficiencies and they're able to bring on more clients and all those good things basically paid for itself um, through the process improvement. Um, So that was, I love that because it's just like this little like powerhouse team coming in and like kicking butt. Um, That one's great. And then kind of the other like super extreme end from that is we've been working with a pharmaceutical company who has like 300 marketers in their department. And so they're really focused um, on education first. So like get everybody understanding what does agile marketing mean for you? How's this going to change your job? Of course, there was a huge restructure that happened in conjunction with it all. So everyone's freaking out about their roles and who's my boss and how am I going to be evaluated? And so really like 
level setting everybody before they jumped too heavily into like, here's exactly how this is going to work. Like here's where daily standup happens and here's your board and, and all those specifics, um, which I think has set them up. That's they've been a little over a year into it. So they've, they've got some more work to do um, with a team that size, but they are a great story in terms of like education is important. You've, you've got to lay the groundwork, especially yeah. in a group that size to really reap the benefits over the long term. I'm just like instantly you said 300 marketers and I, I, I instantly wanted to duck out and start crying. Um, I mean, I just can only imagine because you have 300. So I used to own a company where we had 130 employees, right? And I know running and that was 130 people. And, and, and if any of those people listen to this podcast, I love you guys all. So don't take this personally. But there, you know, I always felt like I was like the fireman, right? Putting stuff out and doing, I, I couldn't really, really work on the business. Um, I mean, I had great people in place and my management team, but there was probably, our processes probably weren't all perfect, right? By any means, I mean, what process is, but um, when I think about 300 people and, and getting all those people to A, buy into it and to view it, and, and obviously the education side of it is important and everybody wants to keep their job, so they're, but I just think, man, that's like, just to be able to put something like that together for 300 people um, is really mind blowing to me. Cause obviously I haven't, I don't, I don't do it. So I don't, I look and I go, I don't even, I'll put on a whiteboard and I go, I don't even know where to start with this thing. Like, you know, obviously you guys have been doing it for a while. So you guys get that. But I just think like the movement, like five person team all day long. Like, I feel like I could, Hey, we could figure some stuff out 300 because you know, I mean, you, you get whatever the percentage is, you get 60% or let's say 40% that are excited. 60% like this is, or, 40% that said they love it. 40% says, hey, I'm not worried about it. And 20% like, this is ridiculous. Like, I hate this. You know, it's like, how do you like, and then being able to, because you're obviously not going to be able to be there for the whole year. Um, and then being able to like, I mean, it's really, I almost feel like you're like a PR company for like something bad that happens for a client and you got to get it out to the media and then you change perception of what's going on. I mean, it really has to like, you got to get people to buy in. You have to get them to start making those changes. It's just 300 people. That's just and that's like moving a herd of like drunk elephants, which I don't even know if elephants get drunk, but I just feel like that's like how slow the process could be. Yeah. And in those size groups, it's really important to pilot intelligently. So like you're not going to flip the switch on 300 people overnight, but to get yeah. one group of those people that you mentioned that are like, yeah, this is awesome. And I'm excited. Like put them on a team and let yeah. them process some projects and like show how awesome this is and how much more effective they are. And then if everyone else is like, Oh, that was cool. I want to do that too. Find the evangelist. Yeah. That makes total sense. I just, you know, I just look at that, go, man, 300 people. That's just, that is quite a feat to take on. Um, it's a big ship to turn and it doesn't happen yeah. quickly at all. No, it's, I mean, there's just, but I understand that it does make sense of like, Hey, those small wins and for those people to go tell other people about small wins. Cause it's easy for you to come in and say, Hey, this is the best thing since sliced bread. And they're like, well, obviously you're going to say that, like you're getting paid to be here, right? You know, it's like, you want to get some of the people internally that are saying, wow, this is really awesome. We started using this and we had some small wins. This is what we're looking at. And then people kind of get intrigued and start asking some questions instead of being opposed to change, which is, you know, I would think in the beginning, that's a lot of people are that way, right? I mean, it's just kind of human nature. Yeah. And people have to believe it's going to stick too. Like they have to yeah. see leadership changing and, and actually taking on these agile ways of working, or they're going to say, oh, this is one more thing that you're trying to get me to do. And if I just wait it out long enough, you'll yeah. change your mind and, and yeah. the next thing will come along. Yeah. The buy-in, right. To trickle down. That's definitely it. Yeah. That's a, that's a tricky, like you said, it's a, that's a big ship to move for sure. 
So what do you like, let's, let's talk about content marketing a little more. So what's, what do you think of like the future of content marketing? Like, what do you see, where do you see this thing going? I mean, you've already, you already killed all the marketers two years ago in your book. So now that those people are out of the way, where do, I mean, I want to know what's next. Cause I, I missed that first wave of, of deaths and stuff like that, which I think is good. Um, but I'm just trying to figure out for that second wave of like, what do you see? Cause you're kind of Nostradamus in this. So I want to know, you don't like, want to be a casualty of the marketing? next. Yeah, I, do not, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to survive here in this land of milk and honey. I mean, it's 2019. I just want to keep going. So kind of what do you see in regards to the future of content marketing? Yeah. I mean, you know, really and truly, I, I think that agile has got to be the way forward because it allows us to stay strategic and continue to like see the big picture, focus on the audience, all of those important kind of foundational things, but then to still execute in a really rapid fashion because people don't care who you are or what brand you're with or what kind of budget or, or team size you have. They expect you to respond to them just like Amazon or Netflix or Google or any of these other places that are, are like, you know, responding and changing in, in minutes or seconds. Yeah. So there's none of this like, oh, it takes me two weeks to, to get back around to you. And so we've, we've got to be able to have, have systems in place that allow us to do that. So it's, it's this difficult balance of like great, amazing, personalized, beneficial content plus the ability to do it really, really quickly. Yeah. I think that is the key is because people always want things faster, right? Everybody wants a seven second habit, three seconds, right? And, and because you have these, the bigger companies that are able to do that, right? And they're able to adapt and they have these processes and these people are looking at the processes on a daily basis. How do we as the smaller, the smaller, you know, the, the smaller fish be able to go and and put some kind of efficiencies in place where you don't have to respond in, you know, two minutes, but maybe it's two hours, maybe it's three hours. So you're not missing that opportunity because people are very quick to go jump with the other guy or jump the other person if you don't respond quickly or say something bad on social media or whatever that is, right, to, to mitigate that. Yeah, yeah. So they don't, they don't differentiate between small or big. They just want good experiences. Yeah. Man, those selfish customers <laughs> everywhere, and they're and they're having kids, so their kids are going to be the same way. So we're going to have to learn learn to adjust. So let's. I'm going to totally flip this on you a little bit. So tell me a little bit about what's your favorite vacation. I know we've been talking about the agile thing, which I'm really intrigued about. But tell me a little bit like your favorite vacation. I know this is a total switch of gears, but um, I'm a huge traveler. Like I was just in, I just was in Sri Lanka for a keynote and some other stuff, and now I've been bit by the bug. So I've been asking everybody this on the podcast, like, where have you gone? I think it's mainly just for me being selfish because I want to know like a cool place you've been to so that I can go there other than Austin, which is absolutely on my list with my other three books that I'll be reading here soon. Um, tell me about a cool vacation you went on recently or maybe not recently. It could be whenever. Uh, so I think probably my best like traveling vacation was uh, to the Loire Valley in France. My husband and I just rented a car and we drove around and we we rented a little house like in the middle of a sunflower field. And then every day we'd take the car to like an old castle and, and you can just oh you could get like the huge like liter of wine for like 99 cents and so much wine and and uh foie gras and just traveling around and it was so nice to be in a little place that was out in the middle of where we were traveling like as opposed to being in in paris or somewhere big yeah you really got um and i realized that my paris french does not translate to the countryside like at all um Man. but that was really nice that was one of my favorite traveling vacations although last week i unplugged completely and just spent time at my house with my husband without my cell phone. Uh, and that was pretty spectacular as well. On purpose? So my, On I, I purpose, knew, oh. yes. Oh, you didn't like disconnect the internet or anything or sabotage it and cut any wires or anything? No. Nope. Just straight. You said, I want to spend some time with my hubby. Yeah. 
Well, December kind of kicked my butt, so I needed some uh, recharge time. I hear you. You're an angel. That's awesome. My wife and we try to do some stuff like that, but it is the disc, the total. Actually, let me take that back. I am leaving for Tahoe, Lake Tahoe in like seven days, six days. So that's supposed to be my total disconnect. That's going to be my like, if my wife sees me on my phone or trying to pull my laptop up, she's going to slap it on my hand. The funny part about that is my laptop my wife actually calls it my girlfriend. So when we'll go on vacation. She's like, are you bringing your girlfriend? And so anybody around is like, what do you mean? Are you bringing your girlfriend? Like, I thought you guys were, are you guys swingers or something? I'm like, no. And so my, my laptop. And so usually I bring my girlfriend, right? Not all the time. I used to be really bad. I told you before it was 18, 19 hours. It was like really, I mean, I was 30 pounds heavier. I was, you know, I just wasn't mentally right now. I have a, a better balance when it comes to work-life balance, even though it doesn't sound like it when I explain it here, because I bring my girlfriend everywhere. But um, yeah, that's, it's always been interesting. So this, this next trip is supposed to be three days of and I shouldn't say that because people are going to email me. I'm emailing back and be like, you lied. Like you said you were, and my wife probably will set up a few people to do that to see if I do it. We got to, this is going to get tricky. So I got to, maybe I do need to totally disconnect. Maybe that's the way. To well, go. maybe this won't have come out by then. So nobody would know. Yeah. Hey, that's a good one. Cause it probably won't. Maybe I'll have the team push it out a little bit. And so I can still be bad and not disconnect. <laughs> and then that will, t- I'm, I, I'm yeah, I am going to have to send you an angel, you, a little angel on your shoulder. I thought we said two, cause one is not going to, one is kind of like, I mean, I think it's kind of committee, but I need two. Like, I'm the guy, I'm the management that you like need to like tell his people that, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. And I'm already looking for a way out of not of right, responding to people, right? So I'm like, I'm that guy already. Like, damn, I just realized I'm that guy. That sucks. Oh, well, it's a lot of reality there. So that's okay. I'm okay with that. So, um, okay, so France. So it sounds like that was like, I mean, it sounds like it was like an influencer. Like that's where all influencers want to be like with fields and wine and, you know, running around, except you're not documented, which is fine too. Or maybe you did, I don't know, but. No, uh, I was, I was, uh, I was poor and broke and a grad student at that point. So. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the poor vacations. Sometimes those are good too. You know, sometimes that happens. I, um, like I said, I was just in Sri Lanka for a little keynote thing that I did. And I'll tell you right now. And so this, uh, all my people from Sri Lanka to watch this are going to love this. I was the best vacation because of they, it was like a, because I was a keynote there. They're like, Hey, you want to come out one week early and, and, you know, and travel the country. And I'm like, uh, yeah, hell yeah, I do. So that was my disconnect because only because the internet wasn't phenomenal. But anyway, so I went out there and it was like the craziest trip that I've ever been on. Now it was all paid for VIP. And I'm only saying this, not because I'm used to this, but it was like the hospitality and they want to show you a good time because there was 52 influencers from all over the world that flew out there, um, for this. And it was the largest hotel chain, cinnamon hotels. Um, and so it was just a, I mean, this experience was like, kind of sounds like yours. It was, I mean, yours was awesome as, as well, but this was just like, I didn't, I mean, I, I barely spent any money on the whole thing. And just the people were so nice and food and drink. There was one day, this is, this is how much fun we had and how, and this is terrible to say, I'm going to say this out loud for the podcast is there was one day that we had, we had lobster all day long. This is terrible. I, I sound like a diva right now. And by the end of it, when it was dinner time and, and we had, they served lobster again. And we we're like, Oh God, not lobster again. Like literally that's what it was like. Cause it was, I mean, it was just, the food was phenomenal and the, everybody there, but it was just like, Oh, lobster. Cause I don't even know if I can finish this. And I'm like, who are we right now? Like I, you know, I get lobster, like we get it usually with my family, like twice a year we'll have it, you know, and there's some Chris actually New Year's Eve is when we usually do it. And, um, and so I just was like, Oh, so I, you know, gain weight and all this kind of stuff. But it was a phenomenal trip. It was just like that, that, you know, it just, I think it was because somebody else was fitting the bill and the people were just so nice. It was just such a good trip. But, and then I went to India, had an awesome time there and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, it was, it was a good trip for sure. But, um, that yours sounds like a lot more like a personal trip, like just you and your husband being able to connect. I think those are always good. My wife and I try to do those like seriously where I'm not bringing my girlfriend, at least one, but two 
two times a year where it's like, Hey, let's just go spend a weekend or go do whatever and go hiking or whatever that is. And just kind of have some fun to, to revamp the relationship. You know, how long have you been married for? Let me ask. Oh, let's see. It was 16 years in June. Okay. See, we're right about 13, right about 13, 14. So um, about the, you know, close to the same, close to the same. It's always, you know, anyways, my wife's an absolute angel. And I I mean that other than the agile angels that you're going to be sending me, she's like a real angel, like, you know, puts up with me and and deals with me. And so if my wife's listening, the the spouses of entrepreneurs have a special place in heaven, I think. Pray for them. Give them three angels, little agile angels that they can take with them. Um, well, cool. Well, good. I, I just, I think what we'll end on here is, is there anything that the world doesn't know about you? Like, give me kind of a fun fact. Like one of the fun facts that I gave was that I didn't, and I've done this before. I, it's, it's taken me 10 years to finish college. Not because I've like failed out and was, you know, on drugs or in prison or anything. I can't say that whether that was true or not true. But anyways, my, my point of telling you this is there was 10 years and it took me to finish college because I was traveling and doing all this fun stuff and I didn't want to be a full blown adult. You know, I was trying to like evade that whole thing. Um, so give me like one fun fact. It doesn't have to be anything too crazy, but the crazier than, you know, obviously we'll use that as a clip and, you know, send that around the world so everybody can hear it. But um, like, give me a little fun fact about yourself. Um, fun fact. So last year I got into triathlons here in Boulder, Colorado. Um, but I did not do a good job of balancing that with the rest of my life. And so one, one uh, weekend I got back from London on a Friday night and then Saturday morning I got up to go and do a triathlon, uh, and it was 45 degrees and it was very bad life choices. And so the water was so cold and I was so jet lagged that I couldn't breathe. And they had to pull me out of the water about a third of the way through the swim. Oh man. So, well, I'll, I'll tell you, so Spartan used to be one of my clients, the Spartan mm-hmm. races. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, we, we did, and we went to the one in Tahoe and I saw those people running up that hill. And now I, obviously you're doing a triathlon, which is like you know, the, the preparation, if anybody understands, if you don't understand what the preparation is for that, it's like insane. It's like all the people, which I think from a mental standpoint is saying, Hey, I can do this, but jet lag, I can't, I can't imagine doing it without jet lag. And with jet lag is like, like your odds of making it are like, I don't care if you're an athlete, 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 athlete is like 1% or something. Like it's, it was bad. It was not a good idea. Mm, yeah. And it was actually warmer in the water than it was outside of the water. So then you, you swim and you're all wet and then you have to go get on the bike. And so you're like frozen to the bike. It was, it was bad. It was bad. I think another thing what people don't realize, or maybe they do, is when – so one of the guys that I was working with on the whole Spartan thing, he was um, – well, he's from California. and But he wasn't from the mountainous areas, right? So it was more of a valley-type thing. And, you call, and, you know, obviously Boulder being an example, like running – running a mile in Sacramento, nice little flat Valley compared to Boulder, like not even on the same page. Like those aren't even like, we can't even like, we can't even put up in the same category. So a lot of these people that were going up and doing the Tahoe thing, which is obviously up in the mountains, they weren't, they didn't train for that. They weren't acclimated to that. And it's like, it's a whole different deal. Like I, there was guys going up that mountain. Now, mind you, I was, you know, doing content and do that stuff. So I was down at the bottom of the valley safe, you know, for what it was. But you see people that were coming down. I mean, it looked like they got attacked by wolves, which not really. But it's just like the mental, just everything, that strain on your body and, and not really being prepared for that, that elevation change. I mean, they were literally, these are the Spartan elite champion, you know, they're, like I said, these are the guys that like fight like wild wolves on the weekend and, you know, would love to fight a bear if they had an opportunity, not really, but kind of, and they're going up this hill and I'm looking at the thing. I'm like, man, I'm tired of watching them. Like I literally had to use my inhaler watching them go up that hill. So I can only imagine, but so they pulled you out and obviously you were, obviously you're safe because we're on the podcast today, but 
So no other yeah. triathlons in the future? Or what are we looking at here? Have you? No, I have not signed up for any races this year. I'm trying to uh, to do the balance thing, and uh, yeah, so it was it was too much. Yeah, man, I hear you. But you know the thing is, is and I know this is, but at least you try to do it. I don't know if it was the jet lag thing. We could probably talk about off screen and say, hey, you know. But the the idea that you at least still tried to do it, right? Because we're always looking to push ourselves. Um, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that you tried it, and then you, even though you did get pulled out, and you're still alive and be able to talk about it, that's awesome for your kids and your husband and all that other stuff. So we do appreciate you staying alive. So that we do thank you for that. Yeah, it's an easy wins. Yes. Yeah. So okay, so let's talk about this. So let's. I mean, this is we're we're at the end of this thing. This has been an, an awesome interview. So if anybody wants to get in contact with you, why don't you give us your the email, the website, how they can get in contact with you, a little description, anything else you want to give at the end of this thing. Yeah, sure. Um, so agilesherpas.com is our website. Um, all the courses that I talked about are on there, as well as all the content for free out there in the uh, the world if you need a uh, free place to start. Uh, I'm Andrea at agilesherpas.com. Very easy to find me via email. Andrea Fryer at Twitter. There's not a lot of people with the Fryer last name, so uh, I'm pretty easy to find there too. That's awesome. I have one last thing. So Fryer, how many people in the U.S. have that last name? Do you know? I don't know exactly, but not a lot. No, we're very a very small group. Yeah, yeah. You guys are going to be taking over the world. I heard. So this is what's funny. So my wife's original well, original last name was Padlock. And they're the only Padlocks in the world because when they came over from Ellis Island, they changed it from Padalucci to Padlock for whatever reason because the spelling wasn't good. And so I'm just telling you that I didn't know if there was a story behind your last name because, you know, like I said, there's only there's literally two Padlocks in the world. Like we've looked it up. Um, but you guys are a little bit, you guys have grown a little bit. And you guys are obviously going to take over the world. So that's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad we talked about remote working and team management. I know I definitely got some great pointers from your approach to both. 